Hello and welcome to another weekly episode of the Beer Fridge Podcast. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk work, posh, and Forest Road Brew. podcast hello and welcome to another weekly episode of your favorite beer fridge podcast the home of real beer real breweries real opinions as always wherever you listen to this episode make sure you subscribe hit that ding-a-ling-a-ling to be notified of all the latest episodes if you're watching on youtube good evening good morning good night make sure you do exactly the same push that bell button subscribe to be notified of all the latest episodes show your support by dropping us five stars or head to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash beer fridge Podcast. My name is Gavin. I've got my drinking buddies in the form of Mark and Callum. Good evening, gents. I'm on the Hello. road. I'm 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 in a hotel in Swindon. I'm not in my garage this week. Feels fucking weird. I was going to say, where's the background? You did make up for it with a, another. I'm just going to drop the old DJ Cali another one into the um, with the promo video. Oh, mate, I am smashing it with the fucking intro videos that are lately. By the way, I'm killing it. Love it. Absolutely I love it, and it's just another excuse for those that listen to us only to check out our beautiful face and I mean the introduction um, that Gav creates on YouTube. Mm. So, debatable. <clears throat> Anyways, I suppose we should introduce our guest today because if you weren't obviously watching the intro, you would have no idea um, <laughs> other than Gav's sneaky little <laughs> intro. I suppose it starts. So, um, Pete from Forest Road Road, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, good. All good, man. Happy to be here. So, well, it's another. It's this has been a long time coming because we were and two years. You can maybe. I was going to say you can maybe um, correct me if I'm wrong, Gav. But we were kind of first introduced to uh, these guys at the London Beer Festival. No, last year, but the like the year. No, no, no. no. I'll correct you there for a start. Brew London, not London Beer Festival. Brew Brew it's all the same, man. It's all the same. No, it's but not. I, I know. <laughs> No, no. Yeah, so, I know what, the, one out, uh, the one out in the south, one south, uh, wherever it was at uh, Printworks. Yeah, at Printworks. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. When we, when we had the Nintendo 64 setup. Bingo. Bingo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, because you had, it was actually a really cool space you had. Um, you know, it, it was, you just kind of went the whole, you had, the, there was the full booner, as, set as up, you would say, for like, because the camper yeah. van was there, you had everything. And I'm thinking, Who's this brewery I've never heard of, but they've went full extravagance, and then obviously the Nintendo was there, and I was kind of like, ah, I'm definitely gonna have to go over and say hello for sure. I am in for that. Exactly. That <laughs> was uh it's a, it's a really cool setup, and um since then obviously like following you guys on social media, I, I, I really like how you've kind of um your branding and all the rest of it. I know we're gonna touch on that's one thing I'm gonna definitely touch on. Um as we kind of jump on the conversation, but uh, like much, much appreciated and long overdue guest. That's for sure. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, best place to start um, would be kind of the story of the brewery and how you kind of, you guys kind of started 
Um, there's a, a fantastic. I, 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 I'm going to ask this question because I hope it's fucking true. The video on your website underneath the about us section. Please tell me every single bit of that is fucking true. It's that's it, man. The uh, Freddie always said, Freddie, the guy that I moved into that house with, he said the the story always writes itself. Um, it's true, man. That's that's kind of how it happened. Uh, I mean, are you ready? You want to go from the start? You want to go from how it started, or, or yeah, what? go for it. I mean, if anyone hasn't seen the seen the video, go on the website, check out. It's, it's fucking hilarious. But um, <laughs> if you can articulate it for us, that would be amazing. Um, so I yeah, I started brewing in the states. Uh, back in 2008 uh, in New New York. Uh, So home brewing, and then I ended up in Denver, Colorado. I started kegging my home brews and stuff, and I I weaseled my way into my first brewing job out there. Um, (laughs) Was dating a French girl at the time, uh, and she was like, oh, I want to go back closer to home. And I was like, fucking sweet, let's go. (laughs) Sold my car, car, moved out to London because I don't speak... uh, enough French to live in France. Uh, and literally within two weeks of arriving here, that's t- 2012 London, uh, we split up. But I had just sold my car and I got a job at uh, now non-existent London Fields Brewery. Yep. Um, and I was just like, oh, well, all right, I got a brewing job. And I'm happy to be here. Um, that's how I arrived. I, there was a um, I, I was super excited to get a job because I was so competitive in uh, in Colorado because everybody, yeah. every home, home brewer makes a better beer than, you know, the commercial guys do. Yeah. Uh, but that was 2012 London. When I when I when I went on Google Maps before I flew out here, I typed in brewery and there was like six that turned up. You know, it was like <laughs> it was like Redemption, uh, Meantime, Camden, Colonel and London Fields. And mm-hmm. I emailed all of them. Uh, and somehow this guy was like, yeah, come on down, come help. And when I arrived, I started working with him. He was kind of crazy. He didn't actually have a brewery. The brewery was like arriving a couple of weeks later. Yeah. So me, me and a couple guys literally with like compression fit, copping, uh, copper fittings from the plumber in Hackney just built, built the whole thing. Uh, just to really, it was like an old really ghetto kit that they found out in the Isle of Wight. Uh, we started making beer on that, had, had fun. That was, that was my first summer. Um, and, and then, and then, uh, he, and then he stopped paying me on time, which I didn't really like. Uh, I was working, it's getting paid. Honestly, I was getting paid five pounds, 50 an hour or something. And, uh, and I was working long days. I didn't really care about the work, but the on time, the on time thing really kind of bugged me. So I told him, I told him, I was like, uh, Hey man, I really, you know, I'm really into this. Uh, but just if if it's not on time, I got to go somewhere else. And and sure enough, he didn't pay me on time. So that, thank God for that because that's what got me uh, applying in other places. And I reached out to Evan at the Colonel and the generic inbox at Camden Town. And Evan got back to me but said he wasn't hiring. Um, but, and then Camden just straight ignored me. Uh, and so I figured I, I went up, I just rocked up on a Saturday and was like, look, you're not answering my emails. What's going on? And, uh, the guy who was there, the head brewer at the time, James Garstang, he was like, he was like, all right, fine, but come back tomorrow and do a, do a trial shift. Did a trial shift there and they ended up hiring me. I found out later 
it was they reluctantly hired me because they were like, oh, Wonder Fields guy, you know, what's what's he gonna bring? Oh, they... And and they were short staffed, as you told me later. And I found out later after I got to know him that you know that's how he did with applicants. It was kind of like me. Um <laughs> got a job at Camden, and that was really, really exciting for me because Camden uh 2012 Camden was like rocket ship phase. It yeah. was yeah. like we were banging it and it was like it was really really cool like we we hit a lot of sales in a very short time the owner jasper was really uh confident in investing in his team and his plant which allowed us to really grow um and i did so yeah during that time i started doing my my diplomas in brewing um and james who hired me he ended up leaving going off to the colonel and then partisan and then he went to commission a brewery in india um and nice when day. james james left i kind of filled the void uh and uh and we and you know we again we were still growing really hard yeah um that was super exciting they're paying for me to do my diploma i was working a lot loving it and then th we got too big for our own good i think uh and <laughs> And then quality started being work, working its way back. And that's kind of what started the rift for me with them. It was just pre, pre sellout. Um, yeah. It just kind of got like, they, they put in a, a guy, they, they put in a guy who just kind of wasn't really making decisions. And I was really confused because they were paying me to learn, you know, stuff that could help out. And I'd come back and be like, guys, what about this? And they're like, yeah, but we got to sell all this beer. So yeah, it was more, more business decisions than actual beer yeah. decisions. Yeah. Which is totally their call to make. But yeah. for me again, you know, I, I have, yeah, I, I care about those things and, and that's, that's what started. So I, I left Camden. My dad was like, I told him I was getting fed up. And my dad was like, you're, you gotta find you gotta find another job first, and I was like, oh, "Fuck, you're right." Uh, and then I was like, "Okay," I started looking at jobs, and then I just like had a blow up with one of the guys at the brewery, and I was like, "Fuck this, I'm out." Um, so I left Camden, uh, and then I got picked up by Siren out in Reading, who were who were and are still making incredible incredible yeah. ideas. Uh, and I I worked with uh, with. Darren out there, uh, and uh, he he uh, really really put a lot into me. Uh, I built their lab and helped them redo their brew sheets and look in their efficiencies and stuff. Um, and and during that summer, I moved into a house on Forest Road. Um, <laughs> and when you're not from England and you move to London, you your experience or my experience was. Uh, you live in, you go on spare room and you find a place that doesn't cost a lot of money and you live there. And, and uh, so my whole time up to the, it was like five years, this is my first five years in the country. I was, you know, living in houses in East London and, uh, and you know, you get a room, you have your little space in the fridge. Uh, you have your space in the cabinet and there's a weird like teacher who wakes up at five in the morning and there's a weird like DJ who like comes home at 10 and you know, 10 in the morning. <laughs> Um, so when I, when I was, when I quit Camden, I moved in this house on forest road. I, it was like a really big house on this beautiful street. And like every other house on the street was like a family or like, you know, it was like couples or like, you know, young, yeah. you know, young parents. 
And then there was this house of four boys uh, in like a party house <laughs> next to a pub. And and I showed up on their doorstep with a case of Camden Hell's lager, and they were like, "That's fucking cool. Let's get <laughs> you're staying. Let's get you're in." And apparently, this story goes that it was apparently it was between me and a very attractive uh, model from the Czech Republic. And they kind of ummed and awed for a couple weeks before they decided to let the beer guy in. But I'm, I'm going to assume that the keg of beer was the tipping point of the yet beer. Well, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. You know, that's all I could bring anyway. So, um, uh, and it, and the 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 reason why I bring up the spare room thing is because uh, because this was a group of guys, and they were like from London. Some of most of them were from London. They all went to school together, and so they never really lived with some. It wasn't a mixed house, right? It was like a group of guys, and like one of their yeah. guys one of their guys left to go be a chef or something. And, and so they had a room and, and none of their friends could fill it. So they went to the web and that's how I ended up in that house. Um, and because they thought it, I was, it was cool that they had a token American beer making guy enter their crew that I was like, you, yeah, we can make banging beer at home. Like I do it. I've been doing it for seven years. Like we can do yeah. it. So I started up, uh, I, I built a, a kit. I built so many homebrew kits before. I built one again for the garden out there. We brewed a batch of what would be work IPA. Um, and we were such like wreck heads going to that, going to that pub. There was a pub next door to the house. It was like <laughs> for five boys on a, you know, in a nice street. Uh, and we convinced them to, I, I was kegging in corny kegs and we convinced them to put it on. And we gave it out to the neighbors. And when we did that, and we had like we had a house party and like had it on draft at the house and stuff. And when we did that, that's when it was kind of like, fuck, what if we did it, you know, for real? Uh, and now these guys are from uh, these guys are, I mean, they're kind of posh London guys. And so their response to how could we do this is let's raise money. Um, yeah. And raising money didn't really make sense to me. I, I don't understand where you're raising it from or, or how that works. But to them, that was a thing, you know? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, but if I, if we do a brewery, I want to do it right. I want to, you know, I don't want to like start and kind of in a railway arch with small, you know, I, I didn't yeah. really, I didn't see any benefit. I, every brewery that I worked at till until that time was you experience growth and then you run out of space or, or and you kind of fuck yourself and and that's why i was like from the beginning like if i'm gonna if i'm gonna if if i could even find money it would be to do it properly so that we could make consistent product and then if we did when we did encounter sales growth that we could feed that that beast and yeah um and yeah so so basically after the raising money thing from that from that point it's like like We've spoke to numerous breweries before, Callum, and like it, the the growth is like completely different to what you're saying, Pete. They just like you said, Pete, like they, they make a couple of beers and then they go, they're looking for investment or they just they outgrow it and then they go like, fuck it, we need to go big. Yeah, need make our space bigger. I I I've always seen. I don't know, man. I I, I always like. The, the the thing is coming from Colorado I'm, I'm not from Colorado I'm from Massachusetts by the way but yeah. I, but that's where I kind of like was like wow fucking like beer heaven like there's no 
And even the shittiest commercial venues have 10 beautiful IPAs on draft out there. It's like just, you know, and I was just like Did you find that did you find that like when you came over here, like like you say, when you Googled breweries and you found six, you're like, what the fuck? Where, yeah, where the yeah. fuck's and, a good fucking beer? And and this is why, you know, I was kind of I got indoctrinated into home brewing and brewing out in the States, reading Charlie Papazi and you know books and and kind of in the in the brewers association world over there in the american yeah. homebrewers association and that that was a huge part of it because i when i came out here i saw you know i forget i don't even remember who it was but i saw like american ipa on a label on a bottle and a, an off license been like what the fuck does it makes it american and, and then taste it and, and 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 it would just be like completely oxidized cheesy <laughs> weird stuff and i'm like they're really somebody's fucking something up around here um <laughs> and, and that's why i've always kind of i felt like i kind of time traveled when i came out here because i i know that i knew that like what what existed in colorado eventually would be out here so that's why mm -hmm. like i never ever saw lost sight of what it will be and what it could be yeah uh, but it's it's almost like you future proofed from from the beginning you know you and, and it's I suppose it's about backing yourself you know if you're if you if you feel as though you, you can do it then why not back yourself to, to do things properly and That's, you know yeah for you know expect the growth rather than try and react to it yeah when it it's, does happen you know expect expect you know when the when the growth comes we will be able to to to, to grow exponentially because we've got the space already you know so well the, and and that's kind of yeah i think that that's what yeah, that's been there from the beginning, and 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 uh, yeah, I, I've always seen like yeah, we can do this better, and we can make and 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 if we can make it consistently, which I've been trained and spent years of my life doing, then there's no reason for it not to grow. Um, what size of kit did you start with, Pete? So this is so I'm almost to the kit. So go you go you go you So the so basically so. I was I just enrolled in a, I did this the wrong way around. So if there's anybody out there listening, uh, do biochemistry before you do your brewing diplomas. It makes it a lot fucking easier. Because I, when I was doing <laughs> brewing diplomas, I was like, I remember reading the syllabus and being like, and having to stop in this summary paragraph and being like, I don't know what that word means. So, and, uh, but I, I enrolled in a. Um, I was doing. I started my biochemistry degree after I did my brewing diplomas. So. And and that was the summer. I mean, I have one year left when I moved into that house. And so, back to the not understanding raising money concept. I kind of said, look, "Well, look, I don't. I'm not going to find a million pounds from. I don't yeah. care who. I'm not going to find a million pounds. Uh, why don't I just start by brewing on somebody else's equipment?" And so, I was working, so I didn't need any school loans for biochem that were offered to me but then that summer i was like oh i could take because if you come out here as a kid from america don't forget i was like a 33 year old in it within a class of a bunch of 18 year olds <laughs> uh, uh if you come out here and you're a kid you you, you take out a living expense loan to like pay yep. for your, your bars and shit or whatever and uh <laughs> so i i that summer i was like well what if i what if I take out a living expense loan and then go brew a batch of beer with it? And that's kind of what started it. And I, I went out and brewed 15,000 liters of 
work IPA, that same recipe that I did at 20 liters at the house at an old brewery in Belgium uh, and uh, and figured out I've some miraculously got it into the country somehow. Uh, and that's kind of that's what started the business. Right. So and I was so like arrogant, like I was like, oh, it's going to make it my day. Tell itself. I was like, I've never sold your <laughs> and also, I made, also I made like a six percent IPA that nobody's ever tried before, without the beans to even deliver it to people, even if I could. So, so that summer I started. Uh, I found a warehouse in East London uh, to put the shit in, and then I was just me and my dog driving around, literally visiting pubs and bars and being like, "Do you want to have my? Do you want to try this?" Um. Wow. That and that was how it started. And I thought I was, you know, I had working with my contacts at Camden and my industry guys and stuff. I was like, really like, oh, I know I can sell this. And then it's like, there's a whole different world in selling beer than <laughs> making it. It's like you learn the hard way. Like, and, and so I went around hustling beer out of the back of my van. And, and, um, and then I sold like, I did maybe, I did two more batches that year. Um, I, the first one, half of it went off spoiled because it went, it was like, got to six months and it was just oh, like done. Fuck. Brewed, brewed two more. It was a big, I mean, I was doing 150 heck batches with it yeah. with my, myself. So it was, <laughs> it wasn't very easy, uh, but, but started doing that. And then the next year is when I did the logger and the loggers when kind of, I started to get traction because, because. I'm really fucking good at lager from my days at Camden. I understand yep. it really, really well, really thoroughly. Every single that one of the benefits of Camden was, uh, you know, we, we worked so much on that beer that like I knew it inside and out. I knew when it was a yeah. little bit underpitched, a little bit overpitched, what air versus oxygen, you know, a week old, everything. So we, it's like so much focus on that. A real need, yeah, to like to really, really hone in on, on making one thing really well, and I didn't really catch on to that because once I dropped the logger, I offered a logger a little bit lower than Hell's, uh, mm -hmm. and with with English hops in it, and it just that's kind of what that's what built the kind of feet for the business to stand on. Just so um, you may have not listened, I, I suspect you didn't. That's absolutely fine. We had Redeem on last <laughs> week from Budva. Um, talking to, we were talking. We were talking to Redeem, and one that blew our mind how long they lagger the beers. That was just fucking insane. What was it? Ninety days. Ninety days. Ninety days. And in fucking insane. <clears throat> with, with, with yourself, Pete, how long are you laggering your beers? Uh, well, that's. A you, I don't expect you to say ninety days. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> it's. I could tell you very confidently and openly. That it's nowhere fucking near ninety days. <laughs> um, we ferment, we ferment warmer than typical German breweries, uh, a German Austria breweries. Um, we ferment warm. We kind of we have a cycle time of just under three weeks. Um, it ferments. We ferment with. I mean, God, I don't know who's listening to this, but we ferment with. Uh, we ferment with oxygen. It ferments in three or four days. It's only a 10 Plato beer. We harvest yeast. We crash it down. We let it hang out. We spin it, and then we fucking package it. And uh, and this is another thing that we kind of, uh, yeah, we've, uh, again, we've worked. We understand the differences between 
yeah, really long in tank and not really long in tank. And we, well, I can all... tell you, I mean, if you if the, the lager you're referring to is posh, um, the posh lager is, is banging. Um, yeah, I've had it a couple of times. It's it's fucking, it's it's what we call no thinking drinking in terms of it does what it says in the tin. It, yeah, it, it's. It's what you want. It's clear. It's crisp. It's malty, and it just fucking like right. No thinking, drinking. It's perfect. Yeah, it's no thinking, that. drinking. Let's see if I see that on the can. I'll <laughs> <laughs> copyright. <laughs> well, dude, that's the original. You know, the original. And people always ask why it's called why it's called posh, and I, I say I I just thought it was you know I thought it was always funny to name a, a four point one percent lager everyday lager named after like the posh you know like something that it's it has nothing to do with and the old the old artwork had a like a kind of like a bum guy with his pinky up holding a can it was really cool is and again again that's what we designed that beer to be i'm really glad you said that no thinking drinking uh, it's like the hops are from two hours away from the brewery um the malt is from the bread basket and we just yeah again similar we we, we that's like it's about sixty percent of everything we sell is that beer, yeah. and and in a world dominated by listing fees, uh, which don't, again don't. <laughs> yeah, for all the listeners out there uh, for some for reference for reference for yourself, Pete Mark um, sells beer for a brewery, so he, he feels your pain. So. Uh, yeah, for for some reason in this country, uh, listing fees, which are essentially bribes, I mean they're bribes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how else you can call it. To give someone money to take your product is a fucking bribe, right? Where I don't care if it's from, if it's where, what country you need the definition from. But for some reason, that's still like overlooked or not regulated, whatever it is. But when you are selling a lager, the most, uh, you know, the most, the, the brand, uh, the volume, the, the biggest volume product that you offer in any pub, doesn't matter where it is, any pub, bar, yeah. restaurant is lager. And therefore, it's very valuable to people that have lots of money or more money than us or more, the ability to find more money than us. Uh, and which means that when you get to large venues, um, Typically, you'll be offset by somebody who's going to literally give you fucking 100,000 pounds cash a year to take your product rather than the one that you want. And I always liken this to, uh, you know, going to going to a really, you know, going to Michelin star restaurant and and having a lovely experience and, and then finding out that the the meat that the chef chose was actually from a slaughterhouse that paid them the most money rather than what yeah. they chose. And that's why, without taking too big of a step on the soapbox right now, uh, I think that I think very strongly that it would have a huge ripple effect on the UK economy if this was uh, regulated more or or banned. Because yeah. if venues had to choose because of quality, I think independent brewers would would really benefit from that. Mark is like, yes, <laughs> fucking yes. I don't think I, I don't think I could have said it any better, to be honest <laughs> with you. And I'm really glad you said it rather than me saying it, but I'm happy to agree with you, put it that way. Um yeah. it's 
I'm, again, I'm not going to go too far, but for working for a uh, a brewery that um, is as big a selling beer as lager in yeah. in in Scotland, I suppose. Um, so I'm tackling another the other mothership uh, within Scotland um, compared to the the motherships you're obviously dealing with um, down south. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 unbelievable, and like you say, quality. Especially when like everything you have just said is so relatable to me. You know, it's it's quality made product, locally sourced. You know, there's time, there's effort that's put in, into it. There's actually a bit of theory that has went into the product as well. You know, which makes such a difference in terms of the palate and and um, and the taste and everything that goes along with it. And yeah, it's just. Western fees are a bitch. And I've been, I mean, I know, I know I'm not from here, but I've, I'm from here now, you know, I've been 12 years in the country. I've written to MPs. I've talked with mayors. Uh, I've written letters. I've uh, every day I'm working on, on kind of figuring out a way for this to benefit other people because, because again, it's not just, for my benefit, it's for the country's benefit. It's like it's it's just it, everything about it is like I said. If it's just it's just, I I don't think that if you own a business and you have a huge bank that you shouldn't be able to continue to drive your business. But I believe in a level playing fair uh, field. That's it. Mm-hmm. Just one playing field. Just that's it. I don't care if if somebody said you know. If I, I sell a million kegs a year and I get a million pounds from somebody or I get nothing, I'm always as an owner, I'm always going to take the million pounds. If I'm yep. a business guy, why would I, you know, why why would I throw away a million pounds? Because, you know, but if it wasn't legal, then you'd say, hmm, what's the better beer? What's yeah, the better beer? Exactly. And what's the better beer? So yeah. I just yeah. Then it comes down to what you say. It's like I understand the whole margin and the GP thing. You need to sell beer at a profit, and you know, and and and, and with margins and stuff getting tighter, and the cost of living going up, you know, that's becoming even more apparent, for, especially for the the consumer as well. You know, I, again, London prices must be unbelievable. Yeah. I can yeah. I can only imagine what people are paying for pints. But I've got places in Edinburgh and Glasgow that are now into the you know high sevens. For, oh, wow. for a yeah. for a pint of for a pint of beer, you know, and it's the it's the, it's the mainstreams, you know, it's the the Guinnesses of the world always demand a good price, but it's the local um or the the macro premium lager that dare I say the Star of Pramans, the Moretti's, the per, yeah. the Peronis, these that these stuff that is mass produced to yeah. all high heaven, but still command, That's you know, incredible. seven. Eight, well, I'm never, we're not an eight quid yet. Some hotels, maybe, but um, well, that's it. But uh, anyway, I don't want to, I don't <laughs> want to spend any time um, on the, the, the those other uh, macros and big breweries get enough att- um, attention from their marketing campaigns and all the rest of it. I don't want to give them any more um, <laughs> any more time. To be fair, um, but. Um, well, what, For we me, can like, give, what we want to get definitely give coverage to what I've noticed from you guys since, uh, obviously, like Mark said at the start, we, we found you guys two years ago at Brew London. Um, over the last 12 months, maybe 18 or so, um, the social media is has went crazy. Um, we're seeing a lot more of yourself, Pete, on the social media is doing the videos and stuff, which are funny yeah. as fuck. Um, <laughs> obviously, you're, you're kind of 
bringing out Posh and doing the videos on Posh, Juno and work and stuff. I think Juno was the last beer I had off you guys, which, uh, if I correct me if I'm wrong, was Marchish time, roughly. Juno is so good, dude. We're, we it's used to be core. We're not ridiculous. Yeah, it's such a good beer, man. We drank so much of that beer. Uh, we're, we used to, we did it all. Did it, I think we ended it in spring last year. We're going to brew it again, but as like a yearly seasonal. Yeah. Um, uh, again, I, I, I classed it as um, a, a fucking a beer that transformed you, it transported you, excuse me, almost to California. Those kind of West Coast vibes in it. It was fruity, it was hoppy. Um, I'm reading my notes that I wrote on the beer because it fucking it's one one of few beers that I did actually write notes when I had it. So this is this is from March time, um, and it was piney, hoppy, bitter, lovely dry finish at five point three percent. I was just like, yes, give me every single bit of that, and I will smash it every day of the week. It was so good, dude. Well, we'll do, we'll make sure to give you some of the first cans because I think we're doing again this summer. Um, can I ask you on the cans? I know it's a wee bit of a left tangent here, but what's the thinking behind, I'm guessing, sticking with the 330s? Rather um, than oh, we, uh, well, we when we got our, uh, when we got our brewery, we had to make the decision. We were doing bottles before. So, yeah. so anyway, just to finish off the brewery story as well. <laughs> yes. Especially when you're coming off the back of uh, West Coast IPA. So when I had I was I had started, you know, brewing, I was brewing in Belgium and then I ended up brewing over in, in Hartleypool at Cameron's brewery. And uh and that was my whole business. And and I was saying, you know, one day I could get a brewery, uh it would cut our costs down and and uh of course we'd have more uh quality control and blah blah blah. And um James Garstang, the guy who hired me at Camden, who was off in India, I had been like plotting building my own brewery and mm-hmm. and showing him plans and stuff that I had guys drawing up. I was looking at sites and sites kept on falling through. And long story short, I convinced James to come back and be our head brewer before I had actually built a brewery. Um, but he he's one of the only guys that kind of he gets kind of he he's he's he understands raw material efficiency and and him and I are really similar on on what we think is quality beer and yeah. and we both did these high kind of curves like into the craft beer world into the really nerdy you know blah, more ten percent triple blah 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 and then wind yeah. back to like, shit I want to drink a lot and you know <laughs> more, a more normal experience and. Um, uh yeah so when he came over we didn't have a brewery i said i'm so sick of everyone saying we're showing you have a brewery i was like look while we figure out the big project um why don't we find a little pilot kit for our arch and hackney which was like my warehouse and kegs and stuff yeah. and, and james went online and found russian rivers brewery on auction uh in the states and um and we were like, what are you talking about? Like, why is Russian Rivers Brewery on auction? This is fucking mad. And he sent it over as a joke. He's like, haha, we could put this in there. And I was like, immediately, I was like, fuck, we need to figure out what's going on with this. And I um I I wrote any I, I guessed Vinny's email and lied to him and told him that you know we had met at a convention or something. 
I told him, I was like, oh, we met, we met at CDC. I don't know if you remember me. And he got back to me right away, and he was like, oh, Pete, good to hear from you. He's like, you should come out and see the kit. I flew out to San Francisco, went up to Santa Rosa, saw the kit, and uh, and it was fucking beautiful. Four vessels, 60 hectoliter brew house um, with four 120s and two 240s and the whole, the whole kit. I flew back, and uh, and then I was like, I was like, fuck. I was like, this is like a real thing. And we um, we kind of looked at it. We've never shipped a brewery around the world before. We kind of we kind of costed out what we thought we would know we would cost out. Yeah. Then we typed this really. I remember it was me, Mike, and James sitting in our cold arch and Hackney on this computer sitting there. We were like, we, we typed a really formal looking like offer letter that looked like it came from like a law firm or something. It's like you know summary of terms and like this now we we're just like ripping shit off the internet and we like we sent through this really really uh formal offer letter and we offered them you know what we thought it was worth and to our surprise they came back and they were like oh, our client's interested what about this and we we're like oh fuck did we fuck is this uh -oh. like an action <laughs> because because the one thing that i always remember very clearly is that and i'll bet you there's a screenshot to back this up we we had a at that time this has been revoked by now we used to have a 20k overdraft facility in our business bank account and i remember it being negative 19 and change and, <laughs> and and we had just offered 700 grand usd on a brew kit that we didn't have any money for and then um yeah and they and then they like we counter offered and they accepted it and then i was like fuck what are we gonna do now we i i costed it out as best we could i wrote a hail mary email to everybody i've ever met in my life and said, I know this is crazy, but if we can scrape together 175 grand, we can put the deposit down on this. And that's what started the whole brewery, the whole thing. So we, I, I got that money by five o'clock on the day it was about to go on auction, literally. Um, and we sent it over to them. And then, uh, and then I flew out to Santa Rosa again. And my dad flew from Boston. We literally just cut the whole thing down, cutting stuff up found these guys to load it onto trucks and the trucks took it to a boat and the boats went through the Panama canal and it arrived to London right at the first lockdown. Uh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right at the first lockdown, like literally we were following it on GPS and it's like literally, you remember when Boris was like, you need to fucking not go, not go out anymore. We were like, <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? We're sitting there at our bar like, what the fuck? Anyway, long story short, uh, we got it over. Somehow we commissioned it. Um, yeah, and I don't know why we were talking, why, where the where it was coming from, but I, it's important to, you know, that's the kit that we brought yeah. on. Yeah, it's Russian Rivers, and there you go. Nice. I was asking you how big your kit was, to be fair, but that was such a far <laughs> better. That, that was... That was what we would classify as a Billy Conley sketch, where you get asked a question and then you go round the world before you come to the answer, and then you yeah. forget to give the answer at the I end mean, anyway. Dude, this isn't like people always when we don't really like we everything that we've built has been on our own. We don't have that, any dude. marketing team. We don't have any anything, dude. It's and so when you come into our room, we don't realize it, but when you come into that brewery and we start talking about stuff that's normal to us. Yeah. We, people are always just like, what are you fucking talking about? What do you mean you you sent it through the Panama Canal? Like, <laughs> yeah, 
He's like, what did you mean you didn't pay the guys until the, you know, until halfway through it? I was like, yeah, some guy just put it on a boat. We didn't, he didn't ask for money. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> like and every, I know I'm going around now again, but every story has a web of side stories. It's fucking. In fairness, in fairness, Pete, like, um, like you said, the web of side stories, etc. It, it accentuates and it shows the passion one that you have for making fucking good quality beer and the passion you have for brewing in general to be fair i reckon it doesn't matter what you would you do you would do in brewing you would be fucking passionate about it and you would show you would show that going forward it's just oh honest to god it's 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 one of those it's one of those stories where you go fuck yes like you, you it almost feel like you've done it fucking properly and it's, like i said you can a, feel it's that a miracle. Passion. it's a miracle and dude to go back to your point about uh, you know, the cost of pints and stuff and, and what the competition are doing. Uh, like the one thing that James and I are really fucking good at is our costs. And, yeah. and, that's be and, and that's something that we've really been able to benefit from the last year, the last half of last year, the market tanked everybody, as he said, you know, prices are going up and people are buying one less pint to, as well so yeah. everything's down you know i don't know what it's like up there but breweries are flopping here food breweries are yeah. are drying oh, I mean, up the, la the last week i've seen two or three articles of breweries yeah. that are either fucked or i went into administration i think i heard i, yeah. I read about adams yeah they, adams, uh, yeah yeah, adams, yeah. i don't think they're fucked but they've been sold or some shit's There's happening over there yeah it's just um, fucking absolute madness. Let's so, let's get down to the nitty gritty and yeah. the most important part of the brewery, and that is the liquid that you're producing. Yeah, sure. We, we've <laughs> sure. spoke about we spoke about posh. Um, you've obviously got a new lager coming out as well. I'll let you tell tell us what it is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is actually that, you guys are gonna like this, and and you guys are gonna be the first people to publicly hear this, so it'll be good as well. So last year we were like. Actually, this is a good story. Uh, so last year, fuck, this is, I'm going to do this and it's going to be great. Last year, uh, we lost two, two kind of really big pitches on commercials. And we were like, we, we were very careful about like, we don't lower our price to the point where it would fuck us. So yeah. we can give, we, and we famously don't have money. So, what we can give is real, really good service and really good liquid. But as you know, you know, that only goes so far when there's other guys throwing you money. So we, yep. we've got to the table for two different, two different large clients, one, one national and one, uh, yeah, it, both of them were national actually. And, and, uh, and we lost both of them and it's fine. It is what it is. But the guys are like, I'll never forget it. There's like the second guy who was like, he was like, the commercials aren't even close. And we're sitting here like, again, like our beer, like I said, James and I are fucking good at our co controlling our costs. We are not like, yeah. we don't, we're not expensive. We're, we're not cheap, but we're not expensive. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and we're like, okay, cool. That is what it is. Don't forget the market's down a little bit, blah, blah, blah. So my boy, Sean, uh, my boy, Sean was like, he's opening an Italian American restaurant. And he was like, you know, we were building the lines for him and he was like, he's like, yeah, just, I got to put Moretti on. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You can put Moretti on, dude. It's like, this is like, this is like my boy. This isn't like 
my you know work friend or like guy yeah. that I this is like my boy that I've like you know got hammered with at house parties and stuff. And I was like, dude, you're not putting fucking Moretti on. If you're putting Moretti on, go have them build your fucking lines. I'm not building fucking lines for you to put Moretti yeah. on. And then as a joke, I was like, why don't we just call it Bira del Pacho? Um, you know, the tourists won't notice what it is. I was like, I'll put a little picture of a guy on it, you know, and we'll just we'll just do a fake badge. And and he laughed and it's like, yeah, fuck the big guys. Let's do that. So as a joke, we made a badge and I can't tell you what the place is now, but I can tell you afterwards. But it says, uh, you know, beer. It says Bira del Bosco, which means woods in Italian. And I literally just ripped a, a logo off like an old, you know, Italian guy. It looks like a Moretti badge. And <laughs> and it, and, it, and as as we said, he just crushes through. Uh, he crushes through kegs there. Nobody cares. And you didn't have to put fucking Moretti on. So great. Mm. So when we were sitting there, me, my head of sales, and James were in the office. Like, we're like, dude, this is so funny. Like, you know, and Madri, Madri is like, oh, Molson Coors. It's literally Coors Light. And we're like, yeah, yep. fuck Madri. Like, it didn't exist a fucking year ago, and it's the top six selling lager in the United Kingdom. And people are sitting there thinking that it's made in fucking Spain. so 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 then i was like i was like james i was like why don't we you know what what if we make spanish lager why don't we make one we'd be just as spanish as uh you know as molson Coors is and then we started playing around with it and then you know james and i have always joked about making a a, a posh light and luho luho in Spanish means lux- luxury. It's it, def- it you can translate it to posh. So mm-hmm. we made a little ABV posh, and we've made it uh, look Spanish, and we're and we're selling it, and it tastes great. And we're doing it, and you're the first people to hear that. Fuck yes, that's that is absolutely <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, we're I'm just again it feeds back to the listing fee thing. I'm 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 like we don't have anything to lose. I'm sick of you know people parading around and and giving out half-ass shit. We can we're yep. really we're really good at making good beer, and we can do it. Yeah, do it well. So fuck me. So that's, that's the plan. <laughs> I love that you, idea, though, mate. I just like you say, like taking the whole Madre thing. It's, it's the I I call it the fad beer of last year, but it seems to be still festering away everywhere. But it's you know. It, and I always, and I hate to do it, but I, I commend them for their marketing on it because it's it was absolute genius because like it was everywhere it landed and the message like that came across as this Spanish lager, everybody knew about it and <laughs> I know I know, I know um, and yeah it's like it's, it's like, like people think that there's actually like little like Madri guys going around in trucks selling it it's I just. Know. There you go. It's like you know what I mean. It's just it's just exists overnight. <laughs> They're coming like hola, pofa, ah, and and we did oh, yeah, yeah, dude. And we did <laughs> and we did some independent research last year about this and and found out you know like literally more than fifty percent. The, the one the two things that stood out was Beaver Town people 50, over fifty percent of drinkers between the age of uh, thirty and forty five think that. Beaver Town is made by like two guys up in an arch in Tottenham. 
number one. Um, <laughs> Wrong. Entirely owned by Heineken, for those of you who don't know. Um, yep. And and then they think that Madrid is Spanish. They're like, oh, it's mm. a Spanish lager. It's fucking Molson Coors. <laughs> it's literally Coors Light in a red badge. Did you, did you get the Cruz Campo waved down your way as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. another shape. That's another shape beer. But I'm not like I say. I'm not promoting any of that. I would rather speak about your beer and the fact that. The, 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 oh, so we, yeah, we we with Luho, we're like so we're underneath the new tax bracket, uh, and we're it's basically a lower ABV option to our core brand. Is that on part? Is that on purpose? Underneath the uh, tax we, bracket. We no the uh, yes it is yes it is absolutely yeah. it is. Uh, I mean, we were we were saying originally to do it at three point six, and then and then James pointed out if we take it too lower that it's that it, we get some, you know, it's like we get like ten percent reduction in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it makes sense. It's just that is we've we've spoken about it with with the with everything changing and stuff. We're going to see lower ABV beers. However, at the same time, Mark, me and you spoke about it the other, the other night actually on the phone, like we what we should be now be doing is looking to champion those low and no beers that taste fucking fantastic that are underneath that threshold of 3.4 except yeah and and don't forget i think that there's there's really important parts of this like number one uh like there is a slight trend towards low and no there is a slight trend towards uh maximizing the amount of pints that you can have and if you can have four or five percent pints or five four percent pints and you you know you can stay out a little bit longer yeah, um, exactly. I, I, I think i said no and low there i just meant low actually because, yeah no yeah, yeah it's it's something I mean, that we, we've seen you know and and that's why like the other benefit to us is that i guess you can't legally say it's a driving beer but it, it you know it pumps up the, it pumps up the <laughs> It, it kind of fortifies our our existing core range. It gives a lower ABV option. It's a banging lager. It's a different, totally different beer. It's not possible. So the, the the next version of Luho is going to be called Five and Drive. <laughs> <laughs> the the great thing about the um, the lower ABV beers now is that the quality of the brewers that are making them, and the reason I say that is the fact that. Gone are the days, and they're still out there. I suppose that the you know the two and a half percent, three percent beers were basically just diluting juice, kind of fizzed up. Yeah. Uh, and the, obviously the zero point five stuff is a totally other game altogether. But like under four percent beers now, and you know you obviously mentioned James and that being at the kernel. The kernel's table beer is undoubtedly one of the best yeah. beers you can like you can yeah. drink together. This beer yeah, yeah. really is fair unreal as well. Like I know I'm promoting somebody else, but Sonoma yeah. from Track, yeah. three point eight percent. Honestly, phenomenal yeah. beer. And track, track makes really good beer. But the fact that you can get quality, like tasty beer that is lower in ABV, that you can have four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pints if that's your go-to. Yeah, and you know the. You, the bones in your legs are still going to be intact afterwards. Is is rather important, you know. <laughs> and, and dude, it's a good point. Props to ta- uh, Colonel Table Beer. That was like five years ago, man. When they yeah, it's an OG. Ages yeah. ago, yeah. As a 
proper OG. Uh, but proper can you name M- can you name a table beer? No offense if you've made one there because I've not tried. But can you name a table beer that's better or that when you think of table beer, where do you think of? Oh, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's right. You think about you, it right think away. I think a kernel straight away. Uh, Pete, tell us about the venues because you've not only got one, but you've got a, a good handful of, of venues where people can go uh, direct no, to you guys. That's that's not true. We got two venues. Uh, we got three venues, and the third it's venue. Yeah, it's just, it's we got three. Handle. One of them's the brewery. Um, we so the the tap room in Hackney is when I was telling that story. You know, when I brought the first batch of beer in to the yeah. country. For Belgium, but not knowing what I was doing, I somehow, for some we ungodly reason, the Hackney Council issued me a, an alcohol license for that place, uh, and that was my first like tasting room. So, because I couldn't, I didn't know a fucking thing what I was doing. I just got this big room like right in the middle of Hackney. The front of it was a tasting room. The rest of it was kegs. So I had this little tasting room there, um, and then when we moved out into the brewery, and it's now in Bermondsey. Uh, that whole thing has become a bar. So, so that's like the home where it started. And um, one of my other partners, business partner, Sarah, her and I were in that room. Oh yeah. Her, James and I were in that room on little Acer laptops doing sales out of that, out of that site. That's where it all started. So that's kind of our home and then our original home. And then we opened a pub last year out in Notting Hill or in uh, Westbourne Park, which is close to Portobello Market, which is our first uh, like pub. Which I'm, not, as you know, I'm not, I'm not British, but I, there's a the the tap room is very much a bar, and the pub is yep. very much a pub. Um, and yeah, that's kind of our Western outpost. And again, yeah, we we more venues for us is a opportunity to kind of share our our culture and our and our beer and just. Yeah, we, we really like to – we don't get caught up in all the fuss of the, you know, the exclusive craft beer world. Yeah. That's, we are like everybody in. This is what we do. If you like it, here are the doors. Come on in. That's our kind of yeah. – yeah. If you're in the London area, go and check out those the three places that Pete just mentioned, the Quiet and the quiet Night Inn, excuse me, yep. uh, in Westbourne, Westbourne Road uh, in London. And then the tap room as well. The, the tap room looks wicked. In fact, all venues, to be fair, look fucking wicked, mate. Um, oh, it's so cool. It's so cool. I was gut- I was gutted that I, I missed. Um, you guys kindly sent me an invite to the, the opening night of the Quiet Night Inn, and I wasn't able to make it up. Um, I live in the South Coast thing. I'm not. I'm. I don't live up up north like these guys. I might sound like it, but I'm not from. I don't, I'm from there. Just don't, don't live there. So say, you I are was, from there, so don't. I like, am from there. Yes, yeah. I can't hide the fucking accent. I'm stuck with it, which I I, I am not going to change for love nor money. Uh, so you so might, you know, well, I, I was kindly invited. Next time up. you're in town, the, the 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 both of them are great. The tap room in Hackney is like it's our spot. Come through and yeah, have some well, beers. I'm a, I I I think I'm going to be down in, in London and um. Early July, I think. So how I'm am I only? To... How are you? How are you announcing this in the fuck? I think you not even fucking told me this yet. Because this got this got uh, picked up yesterday, basically. Fucking so dickhead. Well, there you go. It's a it's a podcast exclusive. So <laughs> you, don't, get, don't worry, mate. You'll get an invite. Oh, thanks very much. You're getting an invite. You, you, you're getting an invite. Oh, you'll be fucking probably no doubt staying at mine, you prick. <laughs> um, Pete, where for people that listen to listen to the podcast, where is the best place to get hold of your beers? 
and to get uh, updates and your and on what's going on with Forest Road. Uh, yeah, our website's forestroadbrewery.com. Uh, we're on Instagram. All of our uh, social media handles are at Forest Road Brew. Uh, 85% of our beer is in, in London. Uh, we are starting to get out Manchester way and a little bit north, a little bit more regional, but we have plenty to work to do down here. Uh, and we're trying yeah. to keep up with with that to begin with. What, do, what does the, the rest of the year look like? Because, I, I mean... I don't know what, how, what your financial year is. It's April, March or whatever it is. But the rest of your year, how is it looking? Are we going to see you at festivals and stuff as well? Uh, yeah, we'll be, at, um, we'll be at London Craft Beer Fest, Tobacco Dock, or, or with the beer. We are beer guys this year. Yep. Um, I am, I'm not the best person to know this stuff. <laughs> uh, our, sales, our sales team will know more about this. Uh, we had a blast with the We Are Beer guys last year. It was so good. Yeah, um, it was good. Yeah, we got left you, back. You did that. the you did the Manchester one, and Manchester one. Yeah, I wasn't there, yeah. but the, the team was up there. Yeah, um, and then little sneaky news that you guys can hear here first as well. Uh, on Tuesday next week, James and I are going to brew the first batch of Posh Lager in Los Angeles, California. Uh, yeah, distribution oh. out there. We found some guys that want to pump it out there so we've been doing some behind the scenes work about uh california that Which sounds like to... a really terrible trip mate. <laughs> yeah, really bad, yeah. i'm gonna have to expense this trip fuck that sounds wicked though that's where that's i mean and a market yeah. over there where um, like you said, you said at the start, like you're, there's abundance of fucking amazing beers, and there's no shortage of them whatsoever. Um, that craft must be Lager super exciting. Craft, craft Lager, yeah. yeah, that's why we're brewing the lager. Yeah, there's we'll be making a public announcement about that uh, next week, but this is kind of something that we've been working on in the shadows, which is okay. going to be quite cool. Yeah, that's very cool. That sounds I, awesome. I always like that um, seeing. Um, kind of breweries look at export. Um, I know it's not the be all and end all, and I really appreciated what you said about we've kind of got enough to look after in London. I think that's yeah. so important as well that you kind of that's where your you know that's where your home base is. That's where your you know the, the your home fans are, if that's the best way to put yeah. it. You know, um, but at the same time, the only way that you can grow and open up new audiences is by putting your beer in in spots that. You know, it's not overly common. And put it this way, I'm glad you're not coming up north, you know, and more lagging in Scotland. Um, but, um, you know, um, however, you know, sending it to that's, California. That's a selfish comment, Mark. Mate, mate, it's all love and war, isn't it, um, at the same time? No, but... We have, and, we have, we have a, a really great team of great people that care about doing things, about having fun and, and making good beer and that's kind of we don't have any aggressive takeover tactics we're yeah. like we're like make beer have fun and uh, have time to you know spend at home with your with your people so so if Fucking that dribbles idiot. outside of where we are that's because other people want it it's not because we're pushing it on them here here man Fucking echo that statement um as pete mentioned get over to the website forestroadbrewery.com uh, uh head over there check out 
everything in terms of you can you can go and grab some beer from the website itself um you'd be ridiculous not to and you may as well just spend 50 quid because if you spend over 50 quid you're going to get yourself some free shipping we are slags for the free shipping I don't know where that fuck that came from. I'm just going to quickly add because Gav's talking about stuff that he probably shouldn't. But um, the um, three thirties, I'm just going back to. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The the fact that they're all on the website six pack three thirties. I think and the style of beers that you've got in there, the session IPA sesh. Perfect, four point three percent. Obviously, the lager. There you go. Um, but but perfect for podcasting. You know, a quick three three thirty can or two that you can get through really sessionably, really easy. The lager. I just think it is quite refreshing to see the three thirties. I kind of get over. Um, I'm kind of a wee bit over the four forties all the time, um, and just quick, easy. You know, yeah, nice so- packaging. I've got a few wheat. That's what I've been drinking tonight as well. A few dumpies. Um, and it allows you to kind of get through a couple tastes without feeling that you're how many kind of pounds yeah. yeah. bigger beers. So, um, I, um, anyway, go onto the website and pick up six packs for the 50 quids and get free shipping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, like, like P said, go over to the social media pages. As I mentioned, they're, they're actually a really good laugh. Some of the videos are absolutely wicked. Um, head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, etc. Like, follow, and share. While you're at it as well, you may as well follow the Beer Fridge podcast if you don't already, because um, it should be a nonsense if you don't. Um, Whenever you listen to the podcast, make sure you've subscribed. You've hit that ding-a-ling-a-ling to be notified of all the latest episodes. Drop us a five-star rating. Um, you can show your official support as well by heading to patreon.com forward slash beer fridge podcast um pete fucking legend by the way um that has been an immense fun um i can safely say um you're fucking welcome anytime you want in this podcast because you're a fucking laugh thanks i I am i am i am hunting you down at the tap room or yeah let me know let me know because you i want to drink some beers with fucking you Let's do it, dude. I'm ready. Just let me know when. Let me know when. I'll be there. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. You'll be, tell- you'll be telling us to get lost. <laughs> we'll be chopping the door. Early doors. Fine. Ready to rock. I live 10 minutes away. I can leave whenever I want. Don't worry. It's all, all right. Good. Perfect. That's wicked, mate. Um, until next time on the Beer Fish Podcast, your home of real beer, real breweries, real opinions. Cheerio. Bye.